Hello and welcome to GIST Radio. We are a casual radio station where we broadcast when we have something to say. GIST stands for Getting Your Shit Together, and we broadcast important interviews and information for artists and creatives of all kinds. For more information on GIST, please log into our website at www.gyst-ink.com where you will find free resources, software, and publications for artists. You can email us and let us know what you would like to hear about at info at gyst-ink.com. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Kara Tomei, and what I do here on my show, Just Do It, is seek out artists who have hybridized their careers to include some form of innovative programming that engages the public. That could be uh, through an ongoing project, an artist collaborative, an artist, a nonprofit entity, an artist-run business, an artist-run space. Uh, the varieties are endless. But the goal is to give motivated artists a forum to share their experiences with DIY practices and inspire others to do the same. So today my guest is artist Lori Dyer, and I met her not too long ago when she joined the board of Newtown Arts, which is an artist-run nonprofit that we are now both involved in. And I got to know her a bit through that, and we've met a few times because I find her very, very interesting and her projects interesting. So I invited her to come on and talk to you all uh, specifically or mostly about her project uh, called the Idea Truck, although she's got lots of other things to talk about as well. And I'm going to start um, by telling you a tiny bit about her, but I'm going to let her talk a lot about her, of course, too. But Lori Dyer's work challenges viewers to examine the unconsidered aspects of their immediate surroundings. And she's been working in the public realm and exhibiting her work since getting her uh, MFA in 2009 from Cal State LA. Uh, She has exhibited her work more recently at the Torrance Art Museum, Luckman Fine Arts Gallery, and the I-5 Gallery. And she has various ongoing projects, including the Idea Truck. And one is called the Ken Show. Uh, Another is Shanghai Suit. I'd like to have her talk about both of those as well a little bit. And I'm going to just have her come on right now and, and, and let her tell you about herself as well. Lori, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you very much for having me. Of course, it's my pleasure. I'm excited to hear uh, about uh, more about you, and, and I'm sure our audience is as well. So let's just start from your own artistic uh, self and practice a little bit about yourself and, in your words, what your practice is all about, and you can certainly give a few examples of that. Uh, you told me about some of the projects you did at Cal State LA, which were kind of set off this path that you're on in the public realm. You can certainly um, tell us a little bit about those as well. Great. Um, I started out as, and I think everything I still do is making, uh, still doing um, sculpture, oftentimes in larger form, sometimes much smaller form. Um, But they're all sort of a way to kind of talk to the people. And so... um, I started out in doing ceramics and sculptural work and then pretty soon went right on into um, sort of everyday objects that we we're all with. Um, I was kind of obsessed about bread tags for a little while. Um, this is in grad school. And then pretty soon um, 
I started doing um, a lot of photographic work on um, work on people's front front lawns. I would take walks and kind of uh, anything that I noticed, I would announce as an impromptu exhibit and then put a flyer in their mailbox. So when people would come home, they'd open up their mail and see um, something that I noticed on their either front lawn or in the front of the street. Like I was really big into, and I still am, on um, asphalt stains, especially jellyfish. Um, I love the fact that they were um, gone pretty quickly. Sometimes I'd walk back there and then it'd be gone. So I love the ephemeral part of it. So I really love... Let me me um, pause. I want to ask you, let me ask you a couple questions more about that because that's such an interesting project. So you would announce it as an exhibition, but only to the person who lived there? Yeah, so I made two copies. I would make one (laughs) copy, that postcard, that I would put in a mailer for a show. It looked just like a show announcement. And the photograph was a five by seven um, print on the front, and so say it was um, an asphalt stain in front of somebody's house. And then on the back, it would say the name of the of the show, um, my show, and then underneath it would call it would be the name of their show. So say it would say asphalt stain jellyfish, and then their address, and then the time and date that the show happened, which was when I took the photograph. And then I would put it in their mailbox. Come to find out, the um, it was very illegal to be putting stuff in people's mailboxes, which is what I found out in the end. But I did it for a whole year and never um, – we we had some uh, – I, I wouldn't say legal ramifications, but I thought that it was – when I come to find out, it was actually the illegal of putting mail in the mailbox. But I did get one woman who tried to stop my thesis because I took a picture of her front lawn and put it in her mailbox and – she didn't want mm-hmm. that going in there. But I went and I talked to her and explained that there's just two copies. There's one copy for um, her, and then the other copy would go in my show um, where I uh, basically chronologically laid out 270 mailers for the year and had people uh, on a sort of wandering wall so that they walked what I walked for the year. And so she asked me to pull that, and also I had a book um, assembled of all the pictures that people could write in. And I took um, her picture out of that and out of also the assemblage of um, postcards. So there was kind of a big empty space where hers was supposed to be. (laughs) Well, that's actually almost like an interesting part of the project as well, because you're certainly involving unsuspecting people who may not totally understand what a conceptual art project is. (laughs) So that's just fascinating. But But what a wonderful also surprise and almost maybe confusing thing for them to get and then understand. And I mean, how, did you have much back and forth with elders in a positive way or it was it more just almost an anonymous thing? Uh, yeah. That, that you didn't have much interaction with the P I'm sure you didn't have much, but I'm just curious about the well, interaction. Two neighborhoods. One was my neighborhood, uh, which is in uh, Northeast LA. And then the other one was just down the street off of Huntington um, in El, both in El Sereno. And I kind of, I just stick out naturally, not just because I'm a redhead, pale blonde with a huge hat on my head walking the streets, but also I have a camera and I'm stopping. And so, yes, I had some people, usually the neighborhood um, was generally really polite and would just kind of watch from afar. But there was a bunch of times where I had people come over and say, what are you doing? What are you taking pictures of? Um, but a lot, most people worked during the day, so I was alone a lot of it. Um, I did get a few people, like I said, who I had one gentleman who said he was going to, um, I'm going to call my neighbor. You're taking a picture of their front bush. And, right. <laughs> and right, I would right. always uh, keep some of the postcards in my bag and sort of 
show. Oh, no, no, I'm just taking this. And I never had a problem after that. Um, I would always just show that, and then people would be like, oh, great, did you take mine yet? <laughs> and always, you know, how do you decide? And then uh, what was really great is I had a bunch of people come to the show kind of with their postcard proudly, like sort of their business card holding it, that even oh, couldn't speak English or um, had never, and Simon told me they had never been to a gallery show. And so they were sort of really, it was just really great to sort of welcome people into the fold, basically, and yeah, that, get them that, to you know, see that's that. that's wonderful. Right, and it sounds and my to favorite me like part, that. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just gonna. I just I was gonna say. It sounds to me like that's that's such an important part of your work. I mean, there's like the practice part of it, and which is uh, the conceptual uh, framework within within what you work. But then it is in the public realm, so you get all sorts of different positive, negative, and wonderful in between reactions. But that's part of your practice. That's part of the work as well. Sure, of course, and it's about. Um, I would say getting people to sort of have a moment where they notice what's around them is a really big part of it. I think I think so many people think that only artists have that. You know, oh, well, I didn't see that. I don't notice like you. And I don't think that's true. I think everybody has the capability to do it. And I think um, that's exactly what I wrote on my, on my website, Ken Show, is exactly that. It's about... Um, it's a Zen. It's a Zen word, and it means seeing, and it means the nature or the essence of something. So it's sort of about this this aha moment where you awake for just a second and notice something. And oftentimes, I think it's sort of about in the sea of everyday, um, sort of mundane things, and then something pops out. And so, why does that thing pop out, not something else? How do I notice versus you? And so that whole dialogue is really important to me. And the Ken Show. We, let's talk a bit about that because it plays right, right out, right out, right into and out of this conversation. So, as you said, it's a it's a Japanese word. If you spelled it, you know, if you spelled it in the way that, um, how would it be spelled in Japanese, or rather, the Japanese word? Yeah, it's K E N S H O. But obviously, it's a character. Right. I, don't, I don't really know the character for it, but yeah. And then and, you, um, you did a play on words. You did a play on words with yeah. that. Then turned it into the Ken K E N show S H O O W, which is clever. Yeah. Um. So and so also tell me because, about that ongoing project. How right. Did it take it's, form? it's um. Basically, you know, I think a lot of artists sort of do elaborate projects or projects that they work on for a long time, or maybe not a time commitment, but it's sort of a lot of commitment, and then. So where does this leave something that you notice right away that's sort of striking to you? I mean, I feel like that's just as valid. Maybe you didn't make it. Maybe I mean, obviously, photographers really identify with this. And I just thought it was really important to have this as a segment of my art where it's, um, you know, things that you just that you just notice that are these moments of exhibition, basically, that I think are just really as important. And it's, it's just really about being this, having this moment of awareness. And I feel like all of my work, regardless if it's these small things or the larger projects, is kind of about that. It's about getting people to sort of have this moment. So on the your website, artist. there are <laughs> right. So on your website, there are Im- photographic images that you've taken that, that, you, that where you've had this Ken Show moment. Is that what the what the ongoing yes. project yep. how it takes form? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And you know, and by there's the way, um. You- go ahead. Sorry. 
Oh, it may be a bad segue, but but since I you know said go to the website, you do have obviously a couple of websites. Uh, LoriDyer dot com is one where you have a lot of information, images about all of your work, and it's very varied. You have a lot of projects going on. It seems a lot. <laughs> um, you know, you you work that way in multiple projects, almost concurrently, ongoing for a long time. I find that very interesting, definitely as well. Well, I'm glad you find it interesting because it's real hard when you're applying for grants to sort of find a through line because people want this one through line for all of it. And if you don't have a material or medium that unifies all your work, mine is really more idea-based. That's how it's unified. Um, that's always been my challenge is to get people to see it. And then once I put it that way, they uh, they have their Ken Show moment. They say, oh, aha, I get it now. <laughs> Right, right. That's 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 wonderful too. Um, let's go ahead and dive into more details about the idea truck because that is um, a, a wonderful project that I want you to talk about going through, kind of step by step, because it's a very DIY practice type of thing where you um, you know you actually did a Kickstarter campaign to make it all happen. And I, let's just take take us through how the idea truck came about and what it is, of course. Um, starting just from, you know, where did the idea for the idea truck come from and what your conceptual thing is about it. Uh, let's start with that. Sure. So idea truck is probably my first first idea for the idea truck, but um, I just I had just gotten out of grad school and I just really wanted to celebrate the idea of creativity sort of in and of itself, sort of in some ways without sort of the object. And also I just love the idea of the mobility of just driving around. And I was just on the highway telling a friend and I said, I just want to just like get a food truck, but then just sell ideas. Boom. And that's, I just had it from that. And I just mm-hmm. went from there. And of course there was all kinds of reactions from it. And so I decided to do a Kickstarter campaign and it was at the time, um, it was 2011 and people really didn't know much about Kickstarter and, so that was a little bit of a uphill battle. It wasn't as popular. Um, so I knew I had my uh, work cut out for that. And then also, you know, what do I give for rewards when I have ideas? You know, and I'm already an uphill battle there when people look at my truck and say, what is the point of your project? What is this? You're selling ideas. What's going on? So there was that. But I was really, really touched that within a month I had um, almost 100 backers and I think my goal was $7,700, and I got over that. And either people were so excited to get an idea and kind of see what Angelinos were thinking, or and or they were sort of just, you know, kind of surprised and sort of supportive of something wacky, and I can't believe you're going to do this. Go for it. So that was really great. I mean, I was really impressed with all of that. So yeah, that's, the track that's is based- not... A small amount of money. I mean, but you needed the money to buy the truck, to refurbish it a bit, to get the insurance, and for the project itself. But you raised the money, so there you go. It's great. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. And also, I thought that I'd sort of just immediately go online and get a truck and be done. As soon as I just needed the money, and then I'd go from there. And really, one of my hardest parts was retrofitting the truck, but also finding the truck because. In LA, I mean, especially East LA where I live, it's such a quintessential thing of the of the place is this, you know, taco truck. And everything was being turned into taco trucks. So 
I couldn't find one. And if I did, it was right. taco totally. Truck, taco trucks are in high demand, so it's a little bit hard yes, to exactly. uh, get your hands on one, right? <laughs> Makes sense. Yes, so. and, you know, and if they, they had a full kitchen, and I didn't need that. And so, I mean, I was considering going out of state. There's a lot more up in northern um, California. There's loads on the east coast. And I wanted something small, really small. So I started looking at kind of um, ice cream trucks and um, I finally found one on Craigslist, which was great, and that was about two months after Kickstarter. I think I Kickstarter ended July 31st, and then in September I bought her, and her name is Molly, um, <laughs> because I became obsessed with molasses. Um, molasses, um, I I kind of became a sort of a car repair man in some ways. Um, it was pretty rusted, and I come to find out you can put. Um, there's something in molasses and water that when you put um, steel in, it eats away. There's a bacteria in there that eats away all the rust. So I was the molasses girl. I smelled like molasses for two months straight, and I would just take everything off the truck and dunk it in the big bin. I just got a huge trough and poured molasses and water in there for two and a half, three months and just put everything in there, and it would come out perfect. So I was named her Molly. And then it took about six months to get her ready. And, and there was obviously, um, you know, she needed a new roof, transmission. There was a lot of things she needed. But more importantly, it was also making decisions conceptually, aesthetically, like, you know, if this is supposed to be a truck of ideas, what color is it? You know, what, does, what color would idea mean to you? And so that was really great with Kickstarters. All my backers, I would put post it and say, what color is idea to you? And people would write back in. There was a lot of blue for clouds and um, yellow for sunny and warmth, um, which I thought was really interesting how people associate ideas. So that was great. Right, and you ended um, up with blue. So you ended up with blue. So blue, blue yes. on out. Okay. Well, I eventually just kind of bit the bullet and just said, I want something bright. I want something that people will notice, and I I want something, um, you know, anything. I think. You know, tar- the Target stores, I mean, that brand obviously is a Target, but I think it's sort of like if you, you know, if you just name it and claim it, it'll be eventually. It'll become its own thing. And so just like, you know, Yahoo is its own thing now. That's kind of what I wanted to do with name branding. And also, originally the project was only supposed to be six months to a year, and that kind of really blossomed just because of the um, amount of people that were really interested in it. And, um, you know, I couldn't – I had a lot of backers that wanted to – kind of see the project evolve. And and I have a book that people will be having at the end. I take pictures of every single idea. And, um, you know, I wanted to have a real substantial amount of work. And it didn't work after six months. I was sort of just going and really, I mean, L.A. is a big place. <laughs> and I really wanted to go That's all great. over. And, and I was interesting well, to great. see. Yeah, it's wonderful. It, I'm just, and, I'm you know, I went to the playground. Yeah, two years, because, you know, I really wanted to see, it wasn't just about, um, you know, at first, obviously, I park, it's it's as small as a parking spot, it's as small as my car, and so I just pull in to a parallel park, and then I set up, and it looks just like a taco truck in every way, I have the sandwich boards, and the menu, and the chair, and the window, the service window, and all of that, and so people come up, and of course, there's a moment of that, um, but then eventually, after doing it for a while, I kind of got interested in areas, you know, is an East L.A. person's idea different from, you know, Venice versus a playground versus, you know, um, Jet Propulsion Lab or whatever. You know, I was really kind of curious about that. And it's interesting. I parked in front of a seminary, um, the seminary on Fuller Avenue in Pasadena, and I was expecting sort of 
very profound ideas because of that, you know, because that's what they do all day is think about profound ideas and not just where to get their coffee. And it's funny, I just, all these people were walking by in workout clothes and apparently there was a gym two doors down from that and there was also a culinary institute right down from that. And so I got ideas from both of those and it kind of tips me off to the to the the place, you know, where I'm parking and that makes a big difference too. But also, um, you know, there's just that moment where people come up asking, especially on a hot day, you know, don't you have water? Can you please sell me water? You should have water. <laughs> Right. I'm like, no, I get, we're hey, just hey, you can ideas. make a little extra money that way. No, I'm just kidding. No, let's talk. Well, right. let's talk. Let's talk actually about. Let's go through the process of you park the truck and you set out your, you know, your everything, and um, you know, you've got a menu there. Now explain kind of what's on the menu, and then also how someone approaches and the exchange that happens. Just take us through the sure. kind of physical how it works. So people usually come up. Now I think there's kind of a different um, reaction. There's sort of two reactions. There's one that sort of come up thinking it's food, and then they sort of stop and and sort of giggle and walk away and then come back or sort of stand to the side. And then there's others who are very bold and kind of come up and say, what's going on? What are you selling? What's happening here? And I hesitate to tell them I'm an artist because they want to know. And I think sometimes when I say I'm an artist, they right away kind of put me in a slot, and then they go, oh, okay, so this is an art project. And and then it, it becomes you know, whatever they think that is. And so sometimes I don't, I don't, I try to change the subject and not answer that question. Or if I know it's coming, I'll change it. But they see the menu. And so then I explain to them, um, the only currency here is creativity and ideas. So you have to write your own idea and you pay with your idea. And then once you turn it in, then you can order off this menu, which changes every two couple of weeks. And um, so then there's usually the big smile. And um, children get it right away. They sort of immediately go, okay, where's a pen? And they get it. And sometimes there's the adult that says, how much gas mileage do you get on this truck? Or, <laughs> you know, are you an artist? What are you doing here? But most people, if they don't right away embrace it, pretty quickly do and run over and get a friend or something. And um, there's those that need direction. So there's sort of like... Um, you know, can I write on this part of the paper? What piece of paper? Can I write in a pen? What do I... Is it, can the idea be about anything or does it have to be based on the menu? And So I explain to them, no, it can be about anything. And if it's two for Tuesday, that means they write one idea and they get two ideas. But then, of course, my inventory was depleting, so then I have frugal Fridays, which is the opposite. Of course, they have to write two ideas just to get one. Um, and so they write their idea and then they put it in. And that's sort of a ritual in itself. I have an idea box and then I have a cowbell. So they ring the dinner bell, which always gives everybody a minute of joy. And uh-huh. um, and then they get to order off the menu. And the menu is everything from half-baked ideas, um, put that in your pipe and smoke it, little people, big ideas, ideas about food, Worst Nightmares, Pink Floyd. And I change it every couple of weeks, but oftentimes the same idea can kind of be put into different categories based on my mood. So sort of like um, I got, let's see, I got one idea called um, Epicac Gumballs, which I thought was classic. <laughs> and Epicac um, Gumballs. Yes, Epicac, uh-huh. which is a, diuret- a diuretic. So, um, so one time I put that in greatest inventions, but then another time I'll put it in bad ideas or secret to the universe. So it's sort of dependent on my mood. 
Um, so and you then, have, so those, I'm sorry, let me just pause and just clarify one thing. All the ideas sure. on the menu, you generate. So you're just constantly, or not constantly, but you're writing just ideas and researching and do, and then putting them into categories. So the people are exchanging their idea for one that you've created, and then it's just under these different categories that they can choose, correct? No, no. I'm, I'm, I write my ideas occasionally and put them in just like they do, but no, I. the only thing that I do that's directed beyond them is I do the categories. So I will take their oh, so idea and then I have okay, to put so it in different categories. Uh, okay. So every week I make new categories and then I, I act as a customer and I'll put in my ideas as well. But um, if I go out on too many Tuesdays, I'm like, ah, so I'll add in some more. But really it's about um, exchange and me having fun with the menu within that. Like my favorite category is called the voice of the chicken. And it's sort of the, um, I got a picture, uh, and pictures are pretty much my favorite, oftentimes my favorite ideas, um, because, well, one, a lot of people don't agree. They don't think an, a drawing is even an idea. You know, they think, no, no, it has to be novel. It has to be something that's going to make money at the end. I think it's very much has to be idea is. And so I got a drawing of of a chicken um, that was talking about no more chicken nuggets, and it was a picture, and it was sort of the, it became the unrepresented voice of all of those <laughs> And so I basically made the voice of the chicken, but people can only order it if they do a certain task, which is take their shoes off, stand barefoot, lift one foot up, and sing me a song. And so there's always, I've only had it four times, I think, four or five, and it's just great to be, you know, sitting in the truck and having this person, stranger, sort of sing me a song with their foot up in the air, giggling. And that's what's great is they're always sort of laughing. So no. is your real, I mean, is your real, I mean, obviously, I would think it would be really joyful experience for you to, it's the interactions that you're having with people and watching them, you know, kind of come up and get over there, you know, what is this, and then dive in and then have a real ex- experience with them that they will not forget, and they'll be like telling their friends one day, oh, I went to this cartographer truck, and it turned out to be an artist in the idea truck, and I did, you know, I mean, it, and it, it just something, I think it's something that they'll, that a lot of people would remember, and uh, and so that's really the work, too. I mean, the, the goal of the work, I would think, is that those exchanges for you, that must be the really f- fun part. Yeah, it is. And also, I think when people come up, once they get it, I think for them, it's about wanting to write the idea. So not as much about getting an idea from someone else. That's what happens at first, that they think that's what it's about. So they take a piece of paper and a pen and they and even like their choice of paper, because I have all different types, says a lot. And, you know, how they write says everything. And so they write their idea and I have to read it and then they turn it in. And then I have to find one that I think would be kind of suitable based on that kind of minute exchange, so sort of their general impression of them plus their idea, which says a lot. And so, but then once they get the idea from some other person in L.A., it's sort of really, then that becomes um, something they hadn't counted on, and that's the most important part because you can see sort of a snippet into the mind of another person in L.A. that you don't know, and it's sort of this very personal thing, and they, you have your name and email at the bottom so that you can write that person if you like. And I always know because when I give it to them, they they hold it and they read it or sometimes they'll put it in the pocket and walk away, but oftentimes they read it for me right there. And then they say, what do I do with this? Is it mine now? Can I do anything with it? And you can tell that this piece of paper has kind of become precious or something they're going to uh-huh. do something with. And they want to know what to do with it. And I'm like, it's yours. You can 
make an airplane out of it or put it on your fridge or email the person, whatever you like. So I think that's and really that, important. Is that is yeah, that is a, that is a, a a neat moment where it turns into something precious. And then also, I bet you're so curious to know, although you will never know, how many people actually do take that step to contact or email that other person. I mean, that's then that's a, then you're extending the project into these people's own lives. And yeah. kind of, it's probably a little bit of a mystery, but that's pretty wonderful too to have it be. You know that that potential is out there, and you're not a part of it, but you started it, and um, that's that's I, I, I. That's my favorite type of art is where you know the ripple effect. You throw the stone in the pond, and then there's all these rings that expand from there. And and it could be. I mean, I have had a few people write me back and say they contacted the person. I found. Um, Somebody writes something on Facebook that sent it to me where they put up their idea and they said, oh, my gosh, it's kismet. The woman picked out randomly, but look at what she gave me. And so I have had those, but I do love that it's sort of now they're empowered to do what they want with their idea. And sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes people just laugh and put it in their pocket. You know, they might throw it out afterwards. And for them, it's that moment. Like we have the secret menu. I have a secret menu and it's just a little sign and it's put off to the side. So it's sort of rewarding those who really notice it. And they'll come up and say, what's the secret? (laughs) And that is basically I write a song and sing it to them based on their idea or I write a story and I read it to them based on their idea. They have to come back in five minutes. And um, Or it's a mashup of three different ideas that they get to pick and then we mash all three of them up and then they take that idea. Oh, my gosh. There's just so many many wonderful, like you said, (laughs) ripple effects to this. You know what? We have flown through our time so quickly. I barely have any time to kind of say goodbye, (laughs) but I will say goodbye. But what I will say before I say goodbye is to tell everybody to go to the ideatruck.us and or your website, lauridyer.com, to kind of get involved and and find out where it's going to be and look out for it and just uh, be inspired by the project because uh, it's definitely an inspirational one to me. So I hope people do that. And I wish you luck uh, in in culminating the project soon. And I'm a big fan of Idea Truck. I hope to see it in real person. Lori, thanks so much for being on the show. You're welcome. Thanks so much. And this is this has been a product of JustInc.com. Go to our website, J-G-Y-S-T dot no, dash, I-N-K dot com. I'm rushing. It happens every summer. Stargazers delight in the opportunity to view constellations that can't be seen in winter, while car lovers delight in the opportunity to own one of our stars. At the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, you can get the Mercedes-Benz of your dreams for less than you thought possible, like the supremely intelligent E-Class sedan or the awe-inspiring GLC. Don't miss this once-in-a-summertime opportunity. Hurry in to our summer event. Visit MBUSA.com to learn more. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. It happens every summer. Stargazers delight in the opportunity to view constellations that can't be seen in winter while car lovers delight in the opportunity to own one of our stars. At the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, you can get the Mercedes-Benz of your dreams for less than you thought possible, like the supremely intelligent E-Class sedan or the awe-inspiring GLC. Don't miss this once-in-a-summertime opportunity. Hurry in to our summer event. Visit MBUSA.com to learn more. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing.